Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is your host, or one of them, uh, John Feldhaus. And uh, I am speaking on behalf of Verity Talk. This is my show on the um, on the podcast, uh, Epic Gnosis. Thank you all so much for tuning in here on Facebook Live. And if you're listening later on the podcast, thank you for tuning in today. And uh, I just got a quick thing to talk about here. Um, last week, I talked about the three-fifths rule and how about how uh, the founding fathers used that um, that phrase in the Constitution to try and basically get um, uh, the slave-owning South to join up forces with them because they were very determined to keep um, slavery in the mix. And of course, you know, the, the North was like, uh, this is terrible. Why do you still want this? And it was a heated debate. But they came to a compromise um, through counting the um, the people that were uh, that were slaves from the uh, from Africa um, they kept the three-fifths rule as a way to curb the power that basically the south was trying to retain um, by way of counting their slaves as part of their population which they were representing and um, in in actuality they were not representing their interests at all um, and but the uh, the North was like, okay, we'll give you three-fifths. You're representing them three-fifths of the way. It's basically a way to think about what the three-fifths rule was, not a way to determine their value as ascertained by God and really by what the Founding Fathers were saying, that all men are created equal. Uh, the problem was, though, that they were not esteemed equal by uh, their fellow countrymen. So, uh, but they had to they had to figure out a way around the fact that the South was threatening to not stay in the Union. So that's what the three-fifths rule was about. As a quick recap for those of you who missed it last week, um, and tune in to, or go back to next or tune go back to last week to find out a little bit more about that. Um, but I just felt like uh, staying along those same lines because I was just thinking about. Um, really the main uh, event in American history surrounding the ending of slavery and what to do with that issue, of course, is the Civil War. And um, many argue that it didn't end everything about unequal treatment of, um, of, of people. And th that's certainly true. We had Jim Crow laws that came out after that, and it required uh, more of a, an uprising uh, we see in the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s, uh, out of whom came, you know, the Black Panthers and uh, well, one of my favorite people to follow after is Martin Luther King Jr. Um, because he made he made the issue not about, you know, people's skin color or about getting, you know, um, their just due for, you know, past uh, atrocities that were committed against African-Americans, which there most certainly was, you know, wrong 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 done to these folks there is no question about that um but the way he approached it was oh, of course he was a pastor uh in the south from birmingham and he um the way he approached it was so you know obviously um uh it was it was so lent to him from the bible he he pulled on the bible so much 
and uh, the wisdom that came from God and his word. And it was like, you were, you know, we're not fighting against you with, you know, our guns and, you know, with retaliation of physical violence or harm or even, you know, or even coming at you with, um, with hateful, with hate speech. But, um, we're coming with, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to keep taking this anymore. There's civil disobedience we can practice. There's plenty of things that we can do. There's peaceful protesting. The march that they did on Washington, one of the biggest moves of the civil rights movement that uh, we know of today. And so Martin Luther King Jr. was a big, um, big influence on that. And the one of the main quotes that comes from him that I love is that, um, I have a dream that man uh, will no longer be considered, will not be judged by the color of his skin, but by the content of his character. And it's like, what a way to encapsulize everything and um, to bring everybody under the same responsi- responsibility, to give everybody the same responsibility that is just, it's all about what is in your heart. It's all about what who you are on the inside that comes out that everyone can see not the skin color which is something that just comes as a result of natural birth and hereditary things that you don't have any control over but you ever have control over what you do and say and so um but i want to go into the christian roots of uh the people that were in you know the civil war of course we have you know Back then, in that day, there were plenty of people on both sides, north and south, who were um, Christian, Bible-reading and God-fearing Christians, and both were con- uh, convinced that they were in the right to fight for you know what they believed in, uh, the north for abolishing slavery and getting rid of it once and for all, and the south for keeping it for whatever reason, um, for the sake of their economy, I guess. I don't even know. It, it's... And but you know, um, of course they lost, and um, good thing too. Otherwise, we'd be a divided nation, um, in, in geographically. But um, of course, there's things that always threaten to divide us, even internally. And the civil war, war was really just a result of that division that had been lingering and not dealt with. Um, but you know, when the North won, and um, and as a result of the North winning under the leadership of Abraham Lincoln. Um, who was a big abolitionist, um, and, you know, he fought for that movement in more ways than one. Um, he won the election again, uh, unfortunately didn't live to get to see it, uh, all the way through, or he didn't get to live to, uh, see his, uh, the, the full second term. He was a couple months in and, uh, was assassinated. But, um, in his second inaugural speech, I'm going to try and find the, uh, the part that really, uh, cut to the chase here and kind of as a background uh, to what was going on the north was really basically gloating and um, just like yeah we won we're gonna stick it to the south they're gonna get a lot of punishment and we're just you know gonna make them feel the pain of what they did in you know this war and but it, of course everybody knows the civil war was the bloodiest and the most uh, egregious war in and of itself Um 600,000 of our own, of course, because it's a civil war, you're going to have more casualties, but it was the biggest casualty count of uh, soldiers in in our nation, I believe to date. 
end uh if for one single war that is and um but so there's there's this whole attitude surrounding it that you know the south need to really uh, feel the pain that they caused they really need to get punished for this uh, this war but Abraham Lincoln's basically uh, in his uh, second inaugural address. He's basically saying, you know, he goes over, yeah, we had a big, terrible war here, and both of us were trying to avoid it. Um, on the occasion, um, I'm going to try and just read through it really quickly. Uh, um, where shall I start? Um, on the occasion corresponding to this four years ago, all thoughts were anxiously directed to an impending civil war. All dreaded it, all sought to avert it, while the inaugural address was being delivered from this place devoted altogether to saving the Union without war insurgent. Insurgent agents were in the city seeking to destroy it without war, seeking to dissolve the Union and to divide effects by negotiation. Both parties pre predicated or pre uh, depreciated no, deprecated, sorry, excuse me, uh, deprecated war, but one of them would make war rather than let the nation survive, and the other would accept war rather than let it perish, and the war came. Of course, the South was like, we're going to fight, and the North was like, okay, and so one-eighth of the whole population was colored slaves, not distributed uh, generally over the Union, but localized in the southern part of it. These slaves constituted... Uh, a peculiar and powerful interest. All knew that this interest was somehow the cause of the war. To strengthen, perpetuate, and extend this interest was the object for which the insurgents would render the Union even by war, while the government claimed no right to do more than to restrict the territorial enlargement of it. Neither party expected for the war the magnitude of the duration, yada yada. Um, he's saying, yeah, this was uh, a terrible war. Each looked for an easier triumph and a result less fundamental and astounding, but both, and so here's where I want to get to, both re read the same Bible, both read the same Bible and pray to the same God, and each invokes his aid against the other. It may seem strange that any men should dare to ask a just God's assistance in wringing their bread from the sweat of other men's brows, uh, other men's faces, but let us... Let us judge not that we be not judged. The prayers of both could not be answered. That of neither has been answered fully. So this is kind of cutting the uh, the gloating spirit of the North. Um, while they did get a victory, and they're like, yay, it's kind of like, we just had a terrible war. <laughs> we need to be a little more somber about this. And um, he says, the Almighty has his own purposes. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. If we shall suppose that American slavery is one of those offenses which in the providence of God must needs come, but which having continued through his appointed time he now wills to remove, and that he gives to both North and South this terrible war as the woe due to those by whom the offense came. Shall we discern therein any departure from those divine attributes which the believers in a living God always ascribe to him. Fondly do we hope, fervently do we pray, that this mighty scourge of war may speedily pass away, yet if God wills that it continue until all wealth piled by the bondsmen, 250 years of unrequited toil, 
shall be sunk, and under every drop of blood drawn with the lash shall be paid by another drawn with the sword, as was said 3,000 years ago, so still it must be said, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. With malice toward none, with charity for all, with, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle, and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. So that was most of that speech right there. If you want the full speech, you can look it up yourself. Um, I skipped like the first little paragraph there. That was kind of just a preamble. But um, so the point he's making there is uh, this, this was not a war anyone wanted. So let's not act like this was something um, that this isn't such a, the fact that we had to have this war is not a great victory in and of itself. Um, and so I, I put on the, uh, the caption today was God, whose side was God on in the civil war? And uh, I, I'd like to refer to Joshua. Um, can't think of the exact reference, but um, Joshua gets uh, visited of course, this is Joshua in uh, the Bible. If you're not familiar with the story, Moses is the one who is leading the uh, the Israelites, the Jews, out of Egypt. They wandered the desert for 40 years because they didn't go into the promised land the first time because they were scared. And uh, Joshua and Caleb uh, were the only ones who said, oh, we can take them, let's go. Uh, but the rest of the nation wouldn't go with them. So uh, God's like, well, you're going to have to wander the desert 40 years uh, until the rest of you, all of you die, except for Joshua and Caleb. Not even Moses could go in because he, he had a moment where he was like, uh, you know, he didn't do exactly what God said um, in a certain instance. But basically, uh, Joshua is the one who took over for Moses and led the Israelites into the, uh, the promised land and led the conquest. But when they first started, they first crossed the river. Here comes an angel of God. And uh, the angel, and it says it's the angel of the Lord. So it's it's basically God is what it's saying. And um, God appears to to Joshua, and Joshua says, "Are you uh, for us or are you for our enemies?" And uh, basically, the angel says, "Neither. I'm here as the captain and the commander of the the hosts of the of the Lord's armies." And so, and then he gives him. Um, instructions on how to defeat um, Jericho. We have our famous march around the walls of Jericho, shout the walls down, and they come down story from this uh, this portion of scripture. But the, the important thing to note from that was the angel said, I'm not on either side. I'm, I'm in my own side. And in many cases, we are always seeking God to be on our side of a situation that's going on. And while, yeah, you do want God on your side um, in a, in situations where uh, it looks like you might be going under and you need God's help and you got somebody who's coming up against you. There is scripture that gives us a promise that um, every weapon formed against us shall not prosper. And um, because we have that promise, we can be like, you know what? We can have God on our side, but... A prerequisite for having God on our side is to be on his side. 
And if you're not on his side, he's not on your side. You have the responsibility of being like, God, I want your will for this. And I want to approach everything on the basis of your word and in the, with the right attitude, with the right heart and unselfishly. And I don't want to be doing this just for, you know, whatever gain I'm going to get from it. I want to do this because I want to be pleasing to you. Um, and sometimes people, you know, when they don't have the right attitude about a situation, they get, um, they get malicious towards the people who are fighting against them. But even Jesus wasn't malicious towards the, uh, uh, the, the high priests and the Pharisees and Sadducees who were against him. Uh, they nailed him to the cross, but he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And, um, and Stephen, he's a, he was one of the fir- he's the first martyr of the uh, early church. And when they're stoning him, he says, Lord, don't lay this um, transgression, don't put this aggr- transgression on their account. And, um, and, and so there's, and then uh, Paul even talks about in 1 Corinthians 13 about the attitude of love. Love's patient, it's kind, it doesn't seek uh, ill will towards others, but it seeks the best for everyone. And that's a tough thing to do. It also, Jesus also said, love your enemies. And um, so the point of all of that is there, there always arises this attitude, um, both in the world and in the church, it, it's a temptation of everybody to be always looking for retribution and look for judgment to come on the other side to come against their enemies and yeah while david prayed for that it it wasn't always in the right um attitude or heart he always came back around to you know what lord i'm going to praise you anyway i'm going to praise you and seek your will on this and no matter what i'm on your side and so with the civil war issue um i believe a lot of a lot of struggles happen like that because we're like well, we're right, and God's on our side, and we're going to fight for this, and we're going to have it. And while it's good to have your convictions, you should have convictions. You should have an opinion, and it should be based on the word. But when something terrible and egregious happens, like the Civil War, you don't go, you don't go gloating. Excuse me, you don't go gloating like, uh, "Wow, this is a, such a great thing that happened." No, the war was not a great thing that happened. A lot of people died that didn't need to die. But what we rejoice in what we pray for is for healing for the nations that we pray for healing for things that happen and there's kind of a lot just to kind of bring it to uh today's culture there's a lot of stuff going on as far as you know the uh the transgender movement as far as you know things going on with liberalism leftism uh the thing with black lives matter and just stuff like that that, you know, I don't agree with, obviously. And there's some stuff that I'm like, this, some of this stuff is really wrong. And I feel like I see things coming out that are good, that are, um, that are you know, exposing some of these lies that we've been fed, you know. And, um, and of course, you know, there's always going to be like, you know, this is fake news or this is not fake news or like, you know, there, there's all this combativeness. See, the spirit of strife is not from God. And so, and it's kind of like Abraham Lincoln said in that address, um, it's, you know, it's going to happen. You're going to have things that are wrong that happen just because, you know, in the natural course of things, there, there are mistakes that are made 
and there is a uh, there is a reaction kind of like <laughs> we'll bring it back to newton's law uh for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction and it's not just true in f- the physical world it's true spiritually things happen uh, people make choices whether it just be an individual or a whole group of people or a whole nation, they make a decision and then there's a reaction. There is a result. There's a consequence. And so um, one of the biggest um, criticisms I have for some of the uh, the movements going on is the, um, the call for just, I mean, justice is a good thing. We want justice for all. With liberty and justice for all, from our um, pledge of allegiance, pledge of, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. I got my flag back there. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So, liberty and justice. When when somebody's liberties are infringed upon, there should be justice. But then, when there's um, when you have privileges and rights, and you exercise them. There is a responsibility to do to exercise them rightly, to exercise them justly, to exercise them responsibly, to exercise your rights with right intent. And so the founding fathers also had this um, wise epignosis. They had this knowledge that this nation, and really any nation, any body of believers that does not have their lives based on the word of God. You know, you can have morals, you can have uh, ethics, you can have, you know, things that you believe to be true and right and good and you try to live by them, but without the God that makes you responsible and accountable for those things, you end up losing steam and you end up being like, what's the point? It's just so I can look like a good person? You end up getting tired of what people think and how it looks to other people. You end up starting to do what you just really want to do. And so what's really important is having the right attitude and right heart. And so what Abraham Lincoln was doing back in that day was a call to action to be like, you know what, we're not here to gloat. We're not here to, you know, put retribution on somebody. We're here to bind up the wounds, and the Bible even says that love covers a multitude of sins. And even when uh, in the Bible it says that when somebody transgression, transgresses and sins, and it's a sin not unto death, that you who are mature should restore such a one to, uh, to repentance and, and restore them to such a place to where they're back in the right position with me. And so when they're... When there is fighting going on, and we've had this struggle going on between, you know, we've got conservatives and liberals, we've got Black Lives Matter, and we've got Antifa, and we've got, uh, you know, alt-right being thrown around, and we've got just all this random craziness, this big melee of, of people with their voices screaming out for vengeance and for justice. Just remember, as a Christian, if you're a Christian listening to this, the blood of Jesus cries out mercy. How much more should you cry out? God, mercy. I want mercy for my brothers and sisters. I want mercy for my nation. I want mercy. I don't want judgment because if we get judgment, we get what we deserve 
and not what we want because everyone deserves death. This nation, and along with every other nation, deserves death. We deserve to be cast aside because of our sin. But that's the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus came and took what we deserved on himself and died and then rose again and was like, now I'm going to empower you to live the way that I lived and I'm going to empower you the way that you've been meant to live. And not just that, but to have authority and power in this world and to do what you were originally intended to do. And that's what human, uh, the human existence has always been about, is finding out what, are, what is our true purpose and meaning and what are we supposed to do? And without God, without the one who created us to inform us on that, we don't know. So we're just around groping in the dark, hoping for somebody to take our hand and lead us in the right path. But with God on our side, we can do all things. But we have to be on his side. We have to come to him. And so no issue, whether it be in our nation, in politics, in in our economy, uh, in these social issues, no issue of... Um, of inner relationships between people, the the sexual revolution thing that's going on right now, uh, things that are going on, you know, just inter internationally, um, and and between America and other people, and between you know the different things going on even in the church, you know, how should we approach you know the things of God? How how do we get revival and awakening to happen? Anything that happens, it's it's only going to be by the Spirit that things change. We need Him more than ever before. We need to pray. We need to talk to God. Right? But we can't, we can't do this on our own. We can bat ideas back and forth, trying to figure things out, but just the ferocity of everyone's passion and aggression just comes out more and more. And while I believe it's good to talk things out, it comes to a point where you can't talk about it anymore. And so things get done as a result of what you've said and done and, and talked about, that is. But when you pray, and there's, you know, a famous scripture, uh, Second Second Chronicles seven fourteen, If my people, this is God speaking, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins. And I'll heal their land. That is so true. More than ever before. We need God to heal our land. We need God to solve the issue of the disunity. But the, the answer to it is walking in love. And staying in peace. And of course we can talk about these things. you know. But be, be informed by the Bible. And have the right attitude talking about it. Don't be out there trying to start a fight. We're not out here trying to start a fight here at Verity Talk. Me at Epicness, we're not trying to start fights. We're trying we're trying to expose things that go on that are wrong, but then bring the answer. The answer is God's truth. Verity means truth. Truth talk. We're trying to bring the truth. The truth sets people free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free if you believe it. And if you walk by it, the truth is God loves this nation. 
God loves the world. That's why he sent Jesus. God loves you. So he sends people across your path to tell you the truth so that you'll repent, change. Repent doesn't mean like, oh, I, I'm such a terrible person. I should change. No, repent just means, really, it means just to change your mind. It means like in the army, you have an about face. You, you're going one way and you go back this way. That's what repent means. And that's all God's asking for is repentance. Just to turn back to him. And, and you know, you have, issue, you have things that arise in history because of an unwillingness to repent. And that's what the world ends up getting judged for. The world doesn't even get judged for sin. It gets judged for rejecting Jesus and not repenting and not turning. And of course, sin, like I said, it has consequences. It does get judged. But in the end, after the end of the world and at the great white throne judgment, you have those who said yes to God, yes to Jesus, and accepted his sacrifice for their sins and turned to him. And then you have those who said, I can do it my own way. And we can't have that. We got to turn to him. We got to turn to God. And so that was what Abraham Lincoln was talking about. He's like, guess what? We don't, we don't get to gloat in what we did. We still need to have our hearts turned towards God ever the more. And the same is true today. So your heart gets turned to God and things change for the better all around. Not just in one little way and everything else gets worse. No, everything gets better when you turn your heart towards him. Don't like he's asking you to do. All right, I'm done. I'll shut up now. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. This has been John Feldhaus with Epic Gnosis. Um, next week, I'll just say it. Next week, I think I'm going to go to... I think I'm going to talk about... Um, Lord of the Rings. I'm going to go back to that because uh, we've got, we had the season finale. I think it was last week and uh, I didn't really get to talk about it and I didn't feel like uh, talking about it this week, but um, yeah, I'll talk a little bit about what I thought about it. I did think it was better to be honest. Um, you know, it's not quite, it's not quite, you know, um, the, you know, everything that I hoped for it to be, but it's better. So, um, and I'll talk about it a little bit and bring it around to, you know, what I see in it and what God sees in it. And so anyway, um, I will end now. Again, thanks for tuning in. And you guys have a great day, great week. And uh, make sure to tune in to, um, what is it? I believe we have Verity Talk on Sunday. And uh, Jordan will be back on here uh, live here on Facebook. And um, yeah. Let's see, Sunday, Wednesday. We're getting so many videos out there now. It's amazing. Um, thanks so much for tuning in. You guys have a great day. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.